Hello Americans, today I come to you to discuss very important matters. I have been out of office for some time now, and I feel like it is time for me to spread the word of the United States of America and the Freemasons, the Satanic Agenda, everything. And I'm just here to talk about my uh, Starbucks experience today, so I just remember that it's almost October and I can't wait to dress as like a naughty bunny for Halloween. Um, and yeah. I recently came back from the Bohemian Grove. Not many Americans know about this gathering, but Nixon was one of my favorite presidents and he was a big fan of the Bohemian Grove. And I have uncovered secrets for the past millennia. That's right. I am an eternal soul, Egyptian soul, that has been traveling, traversing through time and space. I've come here today as Barack Obama to speak to you the truth. And I've come here as Brittany. And I'm just here to sing you guys a song, and it goes like this. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces pass, and I'm homebound. That's like my favorite movie, The White Chicks. Like, I totally relate to that one. Oh. I've come here to speak the secrets of the United States of America. Oh. I would rather be anonymous. I would rather stay anonymous. Everything is permitted. Oh my god, are you like one of those things from like the scary movies? Shut up. Oh. Shut up. Okay. Shut the fuck up! As I was saying, it is time. Americans, wake up. Wake up. Oh, you crazy! You must be crazy! I'll you crazy! I don't know about these other guys. We are like a superhero. No? We're like, da, 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 da. we're not crazy. Everybody knows you never go full retard. Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. We had a fucking book for one. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. Picasso is dead. Walt Disney is dead. I'm dead. Steve Jobs is dead. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Welcome to the Mentally Gone Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode number 31 of the Mentally Gone Podcast. My name, for those of you who don't know, is Callie Lacerda. And I am Gabriella Lopes. And this, as you could tell, probably tell by the intro, is a little bit off-brand podcast. It's not your typical podcast, right? Very unusual podcast. Very unusual. Huge, huge. Uh, We have a lot of stuff prepared for this episode uh, both Gabrielle and I spent, I think well over like 12 hours, just the past couple of days, just, you know, just diving into topics, research and trying to gather as much information as we can. So we did make notes and that's what I'll be kind of like re- resorting and referring to my phone from time to time, just so I can kind of, um, give you guys the factual things. Cause I hate personally, I hate those podcasts where they, they, they kind of like talk about something and then they rely on basically like memory like faulty memory so then they're like and then i think this is what happened i'm not sure though so don't quote me on that and we've done that a lot yeah in the past. i've done that for sure right so i want us to really prepare for each episode because i think it's doing not only ourselves service but it's also benefiting our audience and just people who are listening right now and thank you so much by the way for listening and choosing to voluntarily you know no one's holding anything <laughs> to to your your head head, yeah Yeah, forcing you to like watch or listen to this so you're a real one for that also just want to oh yeah go 
Oh, I wanted to say that I took a lot of notes, but somehow I'm still going to butcher this episode. So yeah. prepare for a shitty ride on my side. No, <laughs> but like that's for like both of us, you know, um, nobody's perfect. And we're still trying to like get the hang of this whole podcasting thing. And we're still pretty early on because most podcasts that I'm a huge fan of, they are at like thou- like number 1000 something um, episode number, you know, like Joe Rogan used to do three, three hour episodes per day, which the guy was crazy, you know, like he's insane. But my point being is that a lot of practice will make perfect eventually. And even then, like he's messed up countless times. Um, what was I going to say? You said, and also. Oh, and and also, I just want to quickly point out how crazy it is that our podcast episodes are like getting like 2000 views on YouTube. Yeah. Which is wild. We were getting like 30, like we, a few months ago. You guys have no idea how crazy that is for us. And I'll buy it like compared to other creators, obviously 2000 compared to like Andrew Schultz, who who averages 500K per episode. 2000 is nothing, right? It's like. Right. Not impressive. It's like silly. But to us, it's not because we came literally from nothing, from zero, zero clicks on an episode. Uh, at one point it was like 10 or 12 or 15 and it was from family members that your mom was posting on Facebook. So shout out to mom. Um, <laughs> she was posting on, Fapes, on on Facebook and then your relatives from Germany, I think, were like tuning in or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, I did have some relatives in Germany listening. Right. So like that was our show essentially and then and then now we have like more and more people sending voicemails um people sending anchor voicemails um and it's been crazy it's been a crazy ride yeah so thank you and it'll be even crazier if like five years from now we re-listen to this episode or maybe chop it up and maybe the future us is now getting goosebumps just like watching me saying this right now it's like oh like and chopping this up and making a compilation also i'm really awkward so i'm not good at like showing my gratitude but i really really, yeah it's uh she's german (laughs) it's like zero emotions dude (laughs) yeah i don't know what that is hopefully it's something positive um for the sake of our credibility i just counted to three <laughs> okay good because everything in german just sounds so aggressive you know like i don't know like some voodoo. what happened right there yeah <laughs> voodoo magic let's go with voodoo right guys um all right so the first top so moving forward uh to, to open every episode up and to kind of like lubricate the engines we're gonna address like two or three or four uh, news topics that we find pretty interesting and pretty crazy and we're calling it mentally gone news maybe that'll be the permanent name of the segment but just to like kind of like lubricate it right so welcome to mentally gone news yeah and eventually we can have somebody like a person far more creative than i am and then far more creative than both of us they can kind of like maybe animate and create a sound cue you know like it's like mentally gone news and it's like, bow, 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 yeah. like stuff or or, or like a or serious like the, tone the news you know the news theme songs sound yeah it's like mentally gone news in today's report we have video shows train hitting colorado police car with human oh, i already butchered it see i could i could never be an anchor video shows train hitting colorado police car with woman handcuffed inside oh yeah that one a video was, that we both saw that one was crazy pretty wild video i don't know how many of you guys have seen it but essentially a police car a colorado police car they uh stopped this woman who was driving this pickup truck because um they got tipped off that somebody was uh a part of like this road rage and that person was armed 
and it ended up to be the case where she actually had a handgun in the glove in the no in the center console Mm -hmm. and they found that after the fact but when they pulled her over like every cop pulls you over you have to immediately go to the side lane right and the cop just happened to stop in the middle of train tracks Mm -hmm. and it it sounds like something from like GTA kind of, you know, like it sounds like super incredulous. Is that the word? Just like, just like outlandish, like crazy. Like hard to believe, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's literally unbelievable. And the cops, I guess, thought that no train was passing through was at that time of day because it was nighttime, right? Nighttime. So mm-hmm. I think it was like past like midnight or something like that. And then essentially they pulled over this lady um you know like did the whole uh hands on like like uh get on your knees and like uh you know i'm i'm not a cop let me see your hands yeah like let me see your hands or whatever handcuffed her put her in the back of the patrol car and then went to investigate her vehicle and then there's body cams which this video is like super super disturbing and i don't know if we're going to be including it in this clip probably but maybe we'll have to censor it maybe not because youtube isn't that annoying with stuff but if you're watching this on YouTube, then you're definitely seeing this right now. If you're listening, please go to YouTube real quick so you can watch the video that we're referencing. But the body cams caught perfectly the moment where the train just hit the car. But what do you think about it? Because I feel um, like I've been talking. No, no, time. no. You're te- yeah. you're good at telling the story. Um, <laughs> I found it very like I found it very peculiar because usually cops are like. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like cops sometimes they like gloss over. Um, they they like gloss over what's like like protocol. what the yeah what the protocol is right because you would think that a cop would notice that they're parking their vehicle right on top of train tracks and then maybe considering you know you know maybe pulling over a little bit more ahead or like you know mm-hmm. getting off the train track like even if you don't think there's a train operating like that that goes against laws like you're right. not supposed to obstruct a train track at all mm-hmm. even when you're driving there's a certain speed limit you have to go when you're approaching a train track and there's signs that like warn you if there's a train coming and whatever because so you it's might like, have to break out of like last minute exactly so yeah. it's like it, i find it just strange that like like they didn't take that into consideration you yeah. know mm-hmm. before pulling over and then just parking right there and so I feel like sometimes they just like gloss over these like details that you would think to, you know, take into account. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like very shocked by the whole thing. I just wanted to point out two things that just came across my mind. Right. Um, first one being I forgot to mention, I said that the body cams caught everything. But the dash cam on the on the patrol car that was behind the one that got hit by the train, I think it was behind it or either facing it. I don't know what the situation was parking wise, but it caught the moment where the train hit the cop car. So it was a dash cam and not a body cam. The second thing is in this dash cam footage, it showed one of the cops who was already like armed with an assault rifle because, you know, like they got tipped that somebody was armed and potentially dangerous and whatnot. He is the one that kind of kept like radioing to everybody, like um, step away, step away, back up, back up and stuff. Right. But then now that I remember it, there was a brief moment where if this cop was actually worried about the well-being of the passenger of the of the person handcuffed in the vehicle, they could have easily, easily at least unlocked the door so that that person can kind of like scurry out of there, you know? Yeah. But there but there was like a few minutes 
like a few minute window where he kind of contemplated and and he kind of like froze up i guess and he didn't know what to do but he was so close to the passenger door that he could have easily unlocked it from the outside and then told that person like get the fuck out or pull them out you know like just just like grab them before the train hit but that cop was holding an assault rifle and just basically saved his own life and just saved the life of his colleagues and that i think shows the mentality the instinctual mentality that some police officers have and full disclaimer my uncle is a cop right so i'm not like a cop hater or anything along those lines but i'm also not like one of those like blue lives matter people you know mm-hmm. i'm like somewhat neutral but also understanding of both sides and some cops do have a selfish mentality where they're just power hungry power gets in their head it's like a gang mentality it's like the cop gang versus society yeah it's like you know? above the law above the law above the law like I'm speeding and then you pull me over for speeding, but you were speeding behind me to pull right. me over for speeding. Right. Like what's going on? And I've seen another TikTok too. Um, <laughs> if I find it, I'll also play it. Well, I won't play it because it's the lady talking and then that defeats the purpose of a podcast. Excuse me. But um, she essentially was saying on her TikTok, like creating a TikTok, um, saying that like, oh, like if if we're on the left lane, and you see us behind you, even if we don't have our lights off, if you don't get the fuck out of our way, we're going to find a reason to pull you over. And what? then, like, she's, like, basically, like, a big bully, just, like, acting like a it's bully like on camera. It's like entitlement. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'll find a way. Like, I'll find something to pull you over for. It's like, okay. oh, you want to play with me? Because I'm fucking God. <laughs> I'll you be see like, this badge? <laughs> I'm God. <laughs> That's how I'll, they feel, dude. I'll like turn it around and be like, "You get a ticket, you yeah. get a ticket, and you get <laughs> a like ticket." It's like Oprah driving, you know. <laughs> and Oprah is powerful enough and and influential enough where she could give a cop a ticket. I think. Oh, I'll, <laughs> oh yeah. You know? I'll talk my way out of a ticket. Yeah. All right, let's tease. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Depending on the officer, to though. To all the officers out there, I'm not bribing a cop, all right? Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's another, obviously a joke. That's another crime. <laughs> Speaking of bribing a cop, um, since we're on this topic, there's another great um, cop video that I've seen where I think I think a lot of people have seen this because it's famous. Um a cop profiled a black woman and pulled her over thinking like, oh, like this is going to be another easy ticket or whatever, because I think cops or some police departments are taught that they should profile people. Mm. And that's an easy way to kind of like get money and extort money from the population. A lot of cops are racist. That doesn't have to be said because it's obvious. It's blatant sometimes. And so this cop was blatantly profiling this lady. Right. And then he pulls her over and stuff and she is like this like supreme court judge basically Damn. like 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 the the one person that you don't want to profile ever on this planet was the person that this cop had the, the lack of luck profiling basically mm-hmm. and then she got his information his like details and i think i heard that that cop got fired wow because he didn't have a real reason to pull her over he was and just she racially it. profiling she caught it immediately and she's like the high top dog and i felt so much so much just mm-hmm. like happiness and like sheer joy from that video i was like finally justice you know like and it's crazy because that's what like that's the society that we live in where where this feeling of like wanting justice to be enacted is towards the people who are who who are sworn to enact justice or to promote justice, to instill justice in society. Right. Crazy. 
And then back to that story, what's interesting is that the cop was standing right next to the car, like you said, and then you see, just like you said, this like hesitation to like do something, but then he averts and doesn't do anything. And and what's like that that makes you think too, because I saw it as like you're in survival mode. Yeah. Like you have a split second to make a decision. Like literally, it's a train. It's going like full throttle, literally. So you have a split second to make a decision to save yourself or to be a good Samaritan and a good, you know, officer of the, you know, that's your, like, that is your job. Your Mm -hmm. occupation is saving lives. Right. Right. So he literally chose, like, it's like fight or flight. So it's like you fight and you, like, do what you have to do as an officer or you run, escape as a human being. So it's like, I don't blame him. But then again, you hear the train like tooting its horn. Yeah, Yeah, tooting its horn and and doing it like to signal. Mm -hmm. And they had a chance. Like, so right at that first toot, they had a chance to like take the woman out of the vehicle, which she didn't die, by the way. She didn't, but she got multiple bones, yeah. broken, uh, broken ribs, nine, broken 19 arm. bones, I think, nine, nine broken ribs, broken arm, like concussed, I think, and now head injury. Yeah, and now, um, what's what's um also interesting, and I wrote this down. The names of the officers involved have not been released, and one of the officers involved has been placed on paid administrative leave while a while an active investigation is being completed. Wow. Which is hysterical. And another hysterical thing is that the police department claimed that the video that they were giving the media, right, the dash cam footage or whatever, was an act to support their commitment towards full disclosure and transparency. But what's hilarious to me is that this video is heavily edited. And cut. And cut chopped up so there's a narrative being constructed construed and trying to be you know like propagated in, into society and then they just like excuse this officer and tell him okay like you should leave the you should leave the police department while there's things going on here because you know and then it shows like on the police body cams right that that they're like investigating the vehicle as the train is about to come right, yeah. and you see that yeah. they literally ignored the train tooting yeah. they just like kept talking about like what they were seeing in the vehicle it's like they they were just deaf all of a sudden and it's like right. how do you not hear a, it's loud you know yeah how are you an active police officer who can't hear a literal train coming your yeah. way that it's was like, weird aren't you supposed to be trained to have like super hyper enhanced uh instincts, instincts. and like reaction time and stuff because yeah. i know that they do that in the military if i'm not mistaken um at least for like navy seals or whatever you know like you have to be quick on your feet one thing is for <laughs> sure though i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily compare it to like the you what how do you pronounce it uvald school shooting where the cops were like mm-hmm. getting hand sanitizer I saw that too. and like on their phones and like that was insane ridiculous that's like that that's just like at least these cops like officers were like doing their job i guess like they pulled this lady over they were investigating it's not like they were just like standing around and you know right. doing nothing but the cops at that school shooting the way that they like 
you know, there and there's kids involved in the mix, like lives are at risk and whatever. And then yeah. it's like they're just there, like nonchalantly doing whatever, getting some hand sanitizer, can't catch COVID or whatever, like whatever that objective right. was. It's just weird. And there's no structure there either, because from the videos I've seen, I've I also saw like cops getting hand sanitizer nonchalantly, just like waiting for this thing to be over. Like, oh, like, let's just wait until the shooter gets tired before we go in. Tired yeah. of killing innocent kids and i saw another footage of the same hallway i believe of like cops going and moving up and then all of them running back like scared like they were scared of a 13 14 year old 18 year old however old he is but but essentially like a young adult slash teenager holding an assault rifle but that's my point is like if you're choosing this occupation you're you are putting your life at risk and you It's even like it gets to a point where you're putting other people's lives above your own. And I don't think that that's like taken into like account anymore when people become officers, like not for the most part. Like it seems like when when it comes time and there's like these dangers, it's like more people's lives are being lost and like more people's lives are being risked because these officers are not like throwing themselves at this you know, at their occupation and what they need to do. Firefighters, you see that they literally put their lives at risk every single time because they need to, you know. It's like they either enter or, you know, whoever's in there burns up in flames and they always do it. It's like, but it's strange that with the police department, you don't see that. You see... All the times. Because sometimes you do see some officers. But you, for like, when it matters you know sometimes like when it matters the most like you see them averting and you see them like just just thinking on survival instinct when your occupation is to literally defend and protect and risk your own life and one thing that you've told me before that i found interesting is that you said in portugal firefighters are all volunteers volunteers yeah and i think the cops are too they don't get paid they don't get paid? They don't get paid, I don't think. So how do they survive? Like, how does that work? Do you know? I think people, like, support. And uh, I think so that that's like how it is. Donations? It's literally a volunteer job. Like, you're a volunteer firefighter. You're a volunteer. Like, <clears throat> you're... And in Portugal, there's wildfires in the right. forest and stuff, too. So it's like they, they're they active firefighters, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, I don't think they have, like, a salary. There's no, like, yearly salary that they get. That's crazy. Yeah. And the crime rate in Portugal is low, right? Yeah, like it's low. It's in Europe, considered it's considered low. In Europe, it's low, like most of Europe. Compared to the U.S.? Yeah, because they have like different like incarceration um, laws, laws and stuff. Everybody gets the chair. Yeah. No, that's not how. <laughs> like they, they actually like support criminals after they're released. Like they offer, you know, like. They support, the, like, like, I support what you do now. No, you know? no. Like, <laughs> it's like the, I'm a fan. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of your work. Yeah. They offer like, like monetary support, like. in like drug cases and stuff instead of like um criminalizing them further and like then just throwing them into like skid row like we Mm -hmm. do um they they like support them and then they like help them create like a a career for themselves and Mm -hmm. you know establish like a steady lifestyle so that they don't resort back to the, the criminal life right the you know breaking the law and whatever so they reinsert them into society and they rehabilitate them first exactly yeah because i've seen i think it was a vice documentary back when vice was still um like completely great because i think vice after they sold to whichever company they became too too like soft in my opinion but anyways i saw this one vice video a few years back where they showed these i think it was the switzerland prison 
So if anybody out there is from Switzerland and you want to like chime in and just correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently they like they like they've had to actively close prisons because of the lack of prisoners. And they have invested money instead into like these rehabilitation programs where they treat prisoners as basically like mental um, patients. So it's like almost as if it's a hospital institution and there are criminals who are walking around unchained, unrestrained, uh, doing activities, uh, getting their G uh, GEDs. I don't know if that's <laughs> a thing in Switzerland, but getting their high school diploma and basically like learning tools and crafts that they can use to apply for jobs in the real world. And I think that that's amazing. But I think that the U.S. likes the because like prisons in the U.S. and this is a conspiracy in of itself Prisons in the U.S. are all kind of like lobbyists, right, owned by lobbyists. And so it's in the best interest of prisons to keep it packed and keep it full and keep it useful, you know. And that's why I think even Hollywood kind of perpetuates this idea of like prisons being extremely important and prisons being a lifeline when it comes to establishing security in our society. It's like, oh, like, uh, bad, guy, like bad guys are put into prisons and the good guy always puts them there. And... And uh, just quickly, because I don't want to like stay too long on our news, you know, part. <laughs> and sorry, because I know that you get tired around no, this no, time. No, 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 it's good? good. Yeah. Okay. Um, another quick conspiracy is that some of the rappers, because I'm a huge hip hop fan, some of the rappers, I think in the '90s and early 2000s, uh, one of them uh, came out as a whistleblower. I think he stayed anonymous, but he basically said that record labels. And owners of prisons were making deals with record labels where they wanted uh, black influencers to kind of promote the ideology and the culture of like gangster violence, um, gang violence, uh, robbery, Being crimes, homicide. Right. Yeah. Things that would create this culture of like hype around these things and these actions so that it would basically fill up the prisons and and these prison owners would get more money from the government you know so it's like a subsidized system right so they get money directly from the white house you know that's crazy it's pretty wild man it like that in of itself just makes you think it's like because there was a heavy gangster rap era and it was like right around that era where this guy said that oh like that's why they're doing it it's like instead of promoting growth and just um developing self um like self emancipation from the system um, two black communities, they were promoting the opposite. And still and still to this day, it's like, I'll get my Glock or whatever and fuck you up and I'm a fuck your bitch or whatever. It's promoting, it's promoting um, cheating, lust, and all these like negative energy stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's pretty wild. That's really, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, I don't put it past them. I don't put it past like the government or anything It's all about like the money, baby. Yeah. All about the money. Uh, do you want to move on to the second and last uh, news topic? Yeah, let's go. Oh, so this one will be just quick because it's just like a, a cool thing. I don't really have a conspiracy around it. But um, NASA breaks new grounds with a successful planetary defense mission. They're calling it DART. And we both saw the movie Don't Look Up. Mm -hmm. And that movie was about? The meteor. About meteor coming, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then Leo's character, who's a scientist, he went on the news and he tried warning everybody and nobody would listen. And so this reminded me immediately of the movie Don't Look Up because uh, I didn't know about this and they keep it super hushed too. Like it's super interesting. Like mainstream media doesn't really emphasize things like this. But then when it comes to the celebrities, Kanye splitting with Kim Kardashian, it's like all over the place. Um, a double asteroid redirection test successfully slammed into a harmless space rock located 6.8 million miles away from Earth. 
the mission cost taxpayers, us, $325 million and was designed as a proof of concept for an innovative technique designed to alter the trajectory of future asteroids that pose a threat to humanity enough to avoid a future doomsday event similar to what happened to the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Um, This is essentially what the movie Don't Look Up was referring to. Uh, Even though scientists agree that a dinosaur killing impact is highly unlikely to occur within the next 100 years, smaller impacts may do substantial damage to select areas of the world. A chilling and recent example, and I don't know if you've seen um, TikToks of this, but there but there was like a viral TikTok going around recently and it was a repurposed video from 2003 uh 2013 and it was in Russia where dash cams of cars were like driving and they filmed an asteroid that hit Russia mm. and the impact caused caused um uh over 1000 people were critically injured and the energy released upon impact of this one asteroid in Russia was the equivalent to 440,000 tons of TNT. Wow. And so I think that like a, a fragment of it landed in like an ice lake, um, luckily. And and so it like it wasn't as crazy, but if the same asteroid were to land like in the middle of Times Square, then we like we'll have a huge major problem because mm-hmm. the buildings will be collapsing. And it's just wild. It's just crazy, crazy. And I've never seen an asteroid hit Earth before, but these dash cams, I'll put a few of the of the videos up on the podcast. So again, if you're listening, just quickly click on the YouTube version, skip to this part. Um, so yeah, so I've never seen an asteroid entering the atmosphere and actually like falling on Earth, hitting Earth. It's super scary to look I've at. I've never seen that. I mean, in the movie, Don't Look Up, it looked crazy. It's crazy. Though, and that was just editing. I can't and even imagine was a, what the real thing, because that gave me anxiety. Right. Looking at that thing, just like getting closer and just picking up speed and just obliterating everything in sight. And that one was a doomsday. That one was, yeah. That one wiped out humanity. Yeah. yeah. That one. And and in the movie, they contemplated doing the same thing that they did, like hitting it. But then they said that um, if they did that, it would just break into a million different like small pieces and still like ravage the earth or whatever right but i but i think that that's what they were going to do but the irony of that movie is that they kind of like play it on the idea of money so it wasn't profitable for them to do that so because it wasn't as profitable as it should have been in order to save humanity humanity was just exterminated kind of yeah and weren't they wasn't there something about how they wanted to investigate like uh diamonds or whatever extract yeah yeah that's what i'm saying that's like crazy to to create i think like cell phone batteries for this like elon musk steve jobs guy they really thought that they would survive it and it would just like land like perfectly and they would be able to like you know take it apart and extract it that that's a crazy movie yeah all right, so that's what we have today for Mentally Gone News. Again, if you want to help out the show, uh, right now we are not currently able to, unfortunately, like we aren't really hiring or paying anyone to do anything. But if you're a fan of the show and you want to create a um, a uh, audio piece for us to use for the segment or for any segment, uh, just feel free to send us it. You know, like you can send us uh, a Dropbox links i can't speak today guys sorry <laughs> a dropbox link through mentally gone podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. 
and we will shout you out obviously as the creator of the sound and we'll use it we'll use your work yeah for sure like that'll be cool all right so let's jump into the main the first main topic of the mentally gone podcast what you guys ladies and gentlemen really came here for yeah this the is juice the, the corn ju- it has the juice the corn of it i can't imagine a more beautiful thing and i think i've spoken already like a lot during this beginning so i'm gonna let you kick us off with the denver airport oh man Ooh, this is a big one man all right so said. so the denver international airport if anyone has ever seen the Denver Inf- International Airport, there's a lot of theories going around that the Denver International Airport is completely satanic. It, it has this, it's like promoting this weird agenda. It's very dark. It's very eerie. And, and there's a lot of hidden things going on in this airport. A lot airport. of occult symbolism yes. scattered throughout the Denver airport. And so just just to start, just to start with the basics, the runways of this Denver International Airport where the planes, you know, take off, they frame it as as though it's like meant for convenience. But the shape of it is the shape of a swastika, which we all know what that is. We all know what that is and is associated with the Nazis and the right. neo-Nazi party. Right. All right. And I wrote what I found about the um, Denver Airport. I wrote it down because there's just literally like i don't know if you guys could tell but there's like a whole page document that i created six pages long filled to the brim and i typed everything because like that's how i kind of like remember stuff and that's just how my muscle memory works i have to either write it or type it but anyways so what i find interesting just to kick this off in the south entrance the airport has a dedication plaque with the infamous masonic compass and the g right? The infamous Freemason G engraved in it. Underneath this Masonic compass symbol is written New World Airport Commission. And mind you, there's no such thing. Like there's nothing registered as that name, as the New World Airport Commission. So it doesn't exist, which is weird. So there's a plaque, engraved plaque with the Masonic symbol dedicated to this New World uh, Airport Commission that doesn't exist, hasn't been registered. Um, Anyways, a mysterious time capsule has been buried deep beneath the plaque and is said to be opened in 2094. Mm. People say that it contains like memorabilia from when the airport was constructed. But who knows what's in that time capsule? Time capsule buried underneath a plaque, Masonic plaque dedicated to something that doesn't exist, a, a shadow institution. Kind of sus. Um, when you add up the date of the dedication plaque, which is March 19, 1994, you get the number 33, which is also just happens to be the number that represents perfection and the highest degree in masonry among the Freemasons, mm. leading many to believe that the airport is an asset slash vehicle used to push the new world order and the one world government agenda. That's that's actually really crazy, though, because another thing that I that I read about this Denver in, International Airport is that what you said about the new world um 
what is it called the the nope. New World Airport Commission yeah. that like funded this right yeah the creation of the airport that doesn't exist by the right way. apparently fund like yeah funded the entire airport right and funded all of the the questionable and unsettling art choices that the airport has and then one of the art pieces that really stuck out to me is the blue Mustang, which is a large blue horse outside. I think it's outside of the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what's crazy is that this large blue horse got the name Blucifer, a nickname Blucifer, because people, locals especially, believe that this um, horse statue is cursed because during its creation, it fell on top of the creator, uh, Luis Jimenez or something like that, and completely just killed him. Right. Like ended him right it there. Killed its creator. Killed its creator as he was constructing it, and then it. And another thing that like sticks out is that this blue large horse statue, now nicknamed Blucifer, because people associate it with being evil, um, has these glowing red eyes. Right, because every horse has has glowing red devilish eyes. And the Denver airport came out with a statement, kind of brushing it off and saying that. The red eyes are a dedication to its creator because he owned a neon light shop. So it's just like these, these like silly ways. It could have been any other color, but because, but yeah. you know, red, it's just kind of questionable. It's kind of, you know, unsettling. It's just weird. It's just and off. I absolutely love it. And don't you guys love it? Like if you're listening or watching this, don't you love it when these organizations that all of a sudden, like whenever they get pressed, or questioned about something that 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 the public has finally picked up on and awoken to, um, they always find answers to everything. You know, like oh no, this is because he has a neon shop, and that's why the eyes are red, and like all this bullshit. But adding to your um, horse point, the interesting thing is that this blue Mustang statue at the Denver airport that has been nicknamed Lucifer, like you said, um, they believe it to be representative of the. Uh, fourth horseman of the apocalypse yes because in the bible it says that uh the the fourth horse is of pale color but then it didn't specify what color you know like a pale blue color mm -hmm. and then people interpreted that that part of the bible as being like pale as in after you've died you become like a purplish blue hue like your body kind of like becomes like a gray purplish blue hue and so it's representative of death. Mm -hmm. And you actually showed me uh, that that there was like an art exhibition of of uh, Pharaoh. Yes, the statue of Anubis, Anubis. King King Tut. Of right. the underworld. Yes, the god of death. And and, and the underworld. Yes, world. and 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 their excuse for that, which is a tw it was a twenty six foot large statue of the of the god of death, the Egyptian god of death. Um, their excuse for that was that it was a passing piece of art from like a gallery or or something like that. It was just like a it was just passing through, which is part of the Denver Art Gallery or something. And then it just so happened to be right at the entrance of the airport. Right. I think back in like two thousand and three or something. Which I did look into, and they are right. It it is part of like this art this um art exhibition that exhibit, was yeah. that was just like traveling around the world and then part of the exhibit was a suitcase kind of like stamped with all the places that it's been to and they took pictures of it next to the statue of liberty in in um new york and in other places of the world but to me it's still weird just like you said like that's so unsettling when you're about to board a flight 
And then you walk up to the entrance and you're just looking up at this fucking... At the god of death? Ancient, ancient Egyptian god of death. And the underworld, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I'm probably butchering No, it, yeah, but, it is the underworld too. But it's just like towering over you, just like blessing your flight. It's like your, your flight is blessed, man. Super weird. <gasps> Super crazy. And another thing that like stri- striked me as like being strange is that the Denver airport came out with a whole article right where it literally will say conspiracy and then it's the conspiracy that people have come up with and then reality and then it's like their statement or like explanation and they're just like glossing over these um, conspiracies that people have come up with and then one of them that people brought up was that the coordinates um there's there's specific coordinates that were given to to us through the movie um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right, which is Spielberg's movie. Mm -hmm. And these specific coordinates in this movie take you to the Denver International Airport. That's wild. And And their excuse was that it doesn't directly take you because it's 51 miles northwest. Mm -hmm. But if you look on a map and maybe we'll put like a little picture or whatever, it's literally directly above, not too far, whether it's 50 miles. Sorry, whether it's 50 miles or whatever it is, it's directly in line. It's like right there. Yeah, straight ahead. It's not it's not offset or nothing. It's like in like in the path, you know? Super coincidental. Yeah, super like, weird, right? All these coincidences, right? Like regarding an in, in airport of all things, which is a super, super sketch. Yeah. Super sketch. Um, do you want me to do mine now? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So we're just going to do like a back and forth because, again, it's a lot to cover. And I don't even think we're going to be able to cover every single thing from the Denver airport in this episode. So if you have anything, feel free to comment below if we miss anything. What's even crazier to me is I don't know if you've seen the weird, strange paintings that the, the Denver airport has scattered throughout it. Yeah, the murals in, yeah, in the airport. Weird murals, very ambiguous uh, messaging uh, behind them in some of them, it seems. And there's one in particular that people believe is depicting or giving us hints and clues at what will ultimately be our doomsday. And our doomsday will be brought forth by a fatal biological warfare, which immediately I thought, what like what did we go through in 2020? Mm-hmm. Came out of a lab yeah. in Wuhan. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like in this mural of this airport that was created when? I think in like 19 something, right? I don't even, I'm not even sure of the date. I don't even know when the airport was established, but so weird, dude. It's so, it's so strange. One painting in particular shows a masked soldier killing the dove of peace, which is interpreted as being Satan killing God and ruling over humanity, while others view it as an inevitability, a planned global biological warfare apocalypse will result in the one world government or new world government taking over whatever's left of the world. And so from my interpretation of this whole like Denver airport is this, there are rumors of underground tunnels that a lot of construction workers that were involved with creating and building the end of the airport have said to have seen these tunnels, have seen entrances to bunkers and they don't know how to explain why it's there or where these tunnels go and there's like a vast system apparently of just tunnels. And then they said that it was for. And then, oh, and then hold on. I have it here. They said that um, 
there is a world of underground tunnels beneath you with luggage carts and golf carts zipping around while the train to the gates runs parallel. And with the commotion of about 1,000 people working down below comes some serious traffic. Right. So it's like the poorest excuse that I yeah, can ever think about. Like it's like working, be- like workers below right. in these tunnels. These vast, vast tunnels. And so my conspiracy theory is this, is that these vast, like these, this vast array of different tunnels underneath the Denver airport that are super sus and these entrances to bunkers serve two purposes. The tunnels serve as um, avenues for human trafficking and the trafficking of kids and children, I think, right? Because what better way for you to traffic things than using an actual airport infrastructure? And maybe in the in the silence of night, you know, when nobody's around, that's when they, you know, like do all, like all, like all of that movement. Um, and the bunkers, again, what better place for you to kind of like establish this huge infrastructure for all of the elite members of the United States of America to kind of congregate whenever there's like a nuclear blast or a, an apocalypse event, be it the next virus, the next biological warfare, uh, something happens, all of the elites have to rush, right? So they hop on their little private, private jets, jet. land right into the Denver airport, are quickly secured and taken to these nuclear-proof bunkers, luxury bunkers, which a lot of billionaires have been buying up recently. A lot of um, Hollywood stars have been buying up nuclear-proof bunkers too. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, it's just perfect. It's like, that's why it's there. Like That's why this airport exists. And what's interesting too is that prior to the construction of the airport, um, it, it like it has been documented that the landscape was completely flat and even, and then after it was constructed, these mounds and just rolls and like hills began popping up in different areas and uh, of like different varying size, um, different varying sizes, and construction workers who worked on the underneath portion of the airport have 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 basically confessed that there are multiple story buildings underneath that airport. That the airport itself has not accounted for, has not disclosed to the public. Hmm, of course so, not. Multiple stories, you know, like these like hills pop up out of, like out of nowhere, you know. So it's essentially, it's just very sus in my opinion. And back to the the mural thing that you said, right, with the mass soldier, it's dressed in the uniform of the SS soldiers, which were a um, paramilitary organization under um, Adolf Hitler. Um, and, and something that's interesting, like you said, is that he's holding a scimitar that's piercing through the dove. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the other hand is like this large, like gun, right? Machine gun, yeah. yeah. Machine gun. And, and I find it like the reason I'm like to bringing it up again is like, why that choice right. of a painting or mural in an airport where people are concerned about their safety or like you know, traveling, you know, for vacation or whatever it is. And then it's like just these like strange, these like strange choices in their art pieces. It's just unusual. Like it doesn't make sense. Like there has to be an ulterior motive. Speaking of strange and unusual in that specific art piece that you're talking about in the, I think the uh, far lower right corner, there's a letter that was signed by a 14-year-old child who died in the Auschwitz concentration camp mm. during World War II. 
so was killed by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So it ties perfectly to what With you're saying. With the swastika in the runway and then the and SS then soldier. SS soldier wearing the gas mask, yeah. Biological warfare. That's Super how the world ends. weird. It's wild, wild. The white dove has also been interpreted as being the Holy Spirit. Mm Because the Holy Spirit is represented by the white dove. And so it has also been reinterpreted as the mass soldier being death or Satan. So it's like the devil is basically ridding the planet so that there's like this like mass reset where the new world order will finally rise and take power. The one world government will finally establish its power because it's easy. It's easier to like reset the planet and start from zero, quote unquote, while still retaining their powers and their influence and their technology and then just reigning supreme over that society that like rises from the ashes type of thing than it is to convince everybody right now that all oh, like things are going to drastically change now next year this is going to be uh we're going to do a complete 180 and people don't accept that mm-hmm. so so it it makes sense for them like if i was a member like i'd be like yeah uh maybe some biological warfare maybe not like uh, completely blow up the the, the planet because then we don't have infrastructure to kind of like reign supreme you know like we want a strong economy so best way to do it is just biological warfare because then you don't really like mess with the infrastructure we can still reign supreme and and ad- advance society towards this luciferian freemason whatever it is the agenda you know like i don't even know what the agenda is anymore like why are there these symbols <clears throat> is the right. question like why so that's just the big question for the, this this like topic that we're bringing up and you said that aside from them trying to like explain everything and and putting out a whole thing that's dedicated towards that they also embraced it like like they began using it in their marketing which has attracted tourists here's the crazy part people are 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 buying flights just to visit the denver airport so like people have like um travel destinations right like they want to visit maui or something like that People are, as a travel destination, the airport, the Denver airport, just to witness and see things up front. So it's worked perfectly for their marketing and it's worked perfectly for their tourism attractions in Denver, Colorado. It's crazy. Yeah, they, on their website, they show like lizard people and whatever, like it's on their website too. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that at the airport now where they're just like embracing and like emphasizing all of these like conspiracies that people have brought to light and that just makes it more suspicious but i think that their motive for that is so that people are like oh yeah so they're just like making a joke about it so whatever like it's all fun and games if it were real they wouldn't be messing like telling us jokes yeah yeah they'd be trying to cover it up but then it's like i still find it highly suspicious so yeah uh What's that saying is that the greatest uh, trick that the devil ever did was convincing the world that he doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a powerful quote right there. Like, even if you don't believe in the devil, you have to believe in evil because there is evil in the world. Mm-hmm. There are people who are just pure evil. And so the best way to kind of like hide and obscure and, and obfuscate evil and eclipse it is by just putting on a smile and saying, hey guys, yeah, of course we got reptilian lizards living underneath us. And that's the other part too, is that another conspiracy, again, says that what's hiding underneath the the Denver airport are the reptilian shape-shifting lizards who are in fact controlling everything that we see now. So they're kind of behind all of the major world developments and events, and they're kind of like feeding off of the fear that they're generating in the population. So, you know, COVID, everything was kind of like generated through them and it's all architected and planned so that they can 
gradually feed off of our fear and that energy so that they can grow stronger and stronger until one day they rise up and consume and just decimate our race of humans. I'm scared. We are not done yet. Um, I know that this is a long, long um, topic and this episode will be a little bit longer. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Can you soldier through? I'm soldiering through. All right. So I might just go like bullet bullet point off bullet point here real quick because if we stop and comment on every single one let's do this the the points that we make here that you guys want us to maybe like touch a little bit more in depth on the next episode we could do that and we'll take that request from you guys so we'll just like write it down and then we'll just do it like at the beginning of the episode uh but the next point is the airport project was initially estimated to cost a total of two billion dollars but ended up costing more than half of that amount and taking an additional year to open than previously planned. Mm -hmm. So people can say like, oh, but that's construction. You know, like you always have a budget, but then $2 billion is already a crazy budget and you go more than double that. Yeah, because you're too busy building other stuff. Building secretly. The, the, the actual goods, you know, underneath the, the airport. Uh, construction workers claim to have built five multi-story buildings underneath the facility and they also claim to have seen entrances to bunkers and unexplained tunnels. We already talked about that. Prior to the airport being built, the surface area surrounding it was completely flat. Upon opening, many have noticed a series of small hills or mounds being formed in different areas. We already talked about that. The airport houses 40% more fuel tanks than is necessary when compared to even the largest airports around the world, leading many conspiracy theorists to believe that the fuel tanks are kept as power sources for the underground bunkers when an apocalypse inevitably happens. So that's super, super alarming. It's like, Sketchy. Why, like, why do you need 40% more fuel tanks just lying around just in case you need it, you know? Yeah. For like a, you know, it's like it's Denver, dude. Relax. You're not Hong Kong or London, you know? Like, you're like you're not getting that influx of traffic. Uh, we're almost nearing the end here, literally. Um, <laughs> just near the painting of the apocalyptic masked Nazi soldier, we have an engraved depiction of what looks like a mining cart containing within it the letters AUAG, which at first glance are the chemical elements for gold and silver, respectively, right? However, it is also representative of a deadly strain of hepatitis called Australia antigen, long rumored to be a potent strain for bio warfare and here's the most mind-blowing part like I, I i saved the best for last year one of the founders of the denver airport is reportedly the one who discovered this new deadly strain leading many to believe that the paintings do depict the more sinister future one that has been destroyed by biological warfare leading many to believe that the New World Order's plan to take over the world involves biological warfare. Because, hmm. again, we already discussed that. Like, what's the easiest way to do that, you know? And then I had, I had one last one that I wanted to bring up, is that in the baggage claim area, there's a strange uh, statue of a gargoyle inside of a suitcase, except this gargoyle looks nothing like traditional gargoyles, which have, like, a more um animal look to them or a beastly look to them and this gargoyle has long arched horns a tail that's pointed and it's like holding its hand its head in its hands as it's like watching over the people claiming mm. their baggage and then denver airport came out with a statement saying that you know it's just there to 
our gargoyles love our passengers and our travelers and they're they're actually there to like you know cast like good luck and keep evil away sure. but this this gargoyle is so strange looking and and looks demonic and and looks like a fallen angel it even has like these large wings you know behind it and so yeah, I just think it's like very strange because a lot of people have said that they don't get the vibe that that gargoyle is like protective or protective or like casting evil spirits away. Yeah. They get the vibe that it's like a depiction of a fallen angel or a demonic figure. It's like casting it on them. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's interesting is that the uh, typical kind of like representation of a gargoyle is more like a, like a chimp head kind of thing. You know, like it's not really like the horns and like the demonic thing. Yeah. Traditional ones at least. And then kind of morphed over time into this more demonic creature. But this one specifically has human body essentially. With, yeah, like With hands. angel wings, with, with angelic wings just like a fallen angel just like you said and kind of and kind of like looking at the people but also teasing them a little bit because With it has its, its tongue, tongue out. out it's kind of like making a mockery of them it's like uh uh-huh, you guys think i'm just a gargoyle but in fact i am a demonic yeah entity that's and just or like over. a trickster which is satan which, satan the is does. the biggest trickster of all right it's yeah, crazy. Man. Anything else on the Denver That's airport? That's all for me. Pretty wild. So that was probably the heftiest, I think, um, topic that we've done on the podcast, re- like of like recent uh, memory, because of just like how dense it is. And I'm sorry if we like rushed through it. It's just that we could do like three hours of just Denver airport, just like going in depth of everything. But yeah, so now we are going to jump into. Let me see what's on the next on the list here. We're, we're going to be discussing Biden's new DOE is a non-binary drag queen proponent of bestiality and pup play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, saw that. His name, I don't even know if that's the right term, but his name is Sam Brinton, and he was appointed by the Joe Biden administration to serve as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the Office of Nuclear Energy for the U.S. Department of Energy. Yeah. It just sounds like a lot of like word a salad words, right there. Yeah. A lot of just like he is he is the president of doing nothing, you know, like like or 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 of brainwashing your kids into thinking this is normal behavior. I don't know if I should say that, but anyways, who cares? That's my opinion. Yeah. Because there's like this weird agenda being pushed into especially like schools nowadays. I don't know how many of you guys have kids out there. We don't have kids yet, but being pushed into schools where it's like normalizing this idea of just like weird behaviors you know i'm not saying that it's weird in a bad way but i'm just saying like it's like this weird thing of like pushing it onto people that's what's weird for me i have no problems and let me make this clear i have no problems with anybody's sexuality sexual orientation uh fetishes kinks anything like that as long as you're not harming anybody like um army hammer was essentially harming his um girlfriends or whatever as long as you're not harming anybody 
uh, more power to you. But the moment you start like imposing and pushing that on other people, on me, on the public, on kids, that's when you become a problem to me. Um, and I was going to say what's interesting is that Sam Britton has done lectures at colleges, I believe, yeah. like different schools. And he does lectures on kinks. And he has even done like demonstrations of, you know, kink, like... One thing that stuck out to me, right? Like, obviously, whoever is going to these lectures is volunteering to go to these lectures, right? Mm -hmm. And volunteering themselves to, like, gather this information, absorb it, learn it, and whatever. So they're obviously, like, open-minded about what the teachings will be about because it is going to include, like, the use of sex toys and whatever else, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but what sticks out to me, right, is that you're in this professional field working in the Department of Energy. You work for the government, essentially. You work for the president. As a and leader. You, right. And and just like you said, it's like I personally, and again, it's all a choice, right? But I personally don't believe in like broadcasting my like sexual kinks and fetishes to the world. Yeah. But if that's your, like if you want to do that, then all power to you. My problem is like, you know, when you're in this like professional field, you would think that like people, you know, try to keep up, you know, a certain image, right? A respectable image where it's like just like focusing on your profession. And if that's like your thing, then so be it and do it like do in it personal in a, time. Right. Or like share your your information in a private setting, like going to schools and like doing that. It's like it like to me, it just it's just unusual. I guess I'm not used to like what like what we're like inching towards or what the world is becoming. But anyways, in these lectures, um, there was one instance where he he like was talking about how to choke your partner. Right. And then even encourages the audience to demonstrate it on each other mm-hmm. and like choke each other and stuff yeah it's weird so it's super weird and and i don't care what people say about like fetishes and whatever but like if you're if you're like there you have to take into account that there are people who take advantage of these fetishes just like army hammer where you start it crosses a fine line between you know consensual and um abusive and pleasure and then abusive and like harmful behavior and like having this like weird perception of like dominance mentality over someone and then taking it too far and 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 taking advantage of them at at the detriment of your partner and so to to like start encouraging the crowd to do that and then he even like brings up a girl and then hits her with a carbon fiber metal rod and leaves a welt on her arm that like lasts for days and then she like shrugs it off and just says that it was like such a great experience like every second of it was like amazing and you know whatever else i don't know just weird like i'm just weirded out by all of it no same and and uh to your point about the whole lecture thing right Sam Britton has lectured on kink and role play fetishes and hosted a series of classes on the physics of kink for the Gender and Sexuality Alliance at the University of Wisconsin. A description of the class included live demos on the tensions forces of bondage, thermodynamics of wax play, physics of impact, and circuits of electroplay. 
So it's like obviously like this like funny haha <laughs> play on like physics, you know. Mm-hmm. But then just like bringing in it into the whole universe of kink play and just sexual play. Um, the most disturbing thing about Sam Britton is his defense of bestiality, which when confronted, right, because he's uh, he considers himself as like a handler when it comes to pup play. So essentially, there's the person that plays the pup and plays the the dog right and then there's the handler which is the owner of the dog and the owner of the dog from my understanding punishes and rewards for good and bad behaviors right um and he said that sometimes it's hard for him to distinguish when he finishes playing pup, right when when he finishes pup play he says it's hard to distinguish between the whole like being a pup thing and being a human having sex. Right. It's hard to transition from pup play to to having sex. Meaning sometimes in his head, he is fucking a dog and having intercourse with a dog with an animal. Or, Or like still asserting dominance and inferiority on that other person. So he like that just shows that it's not entirely consensual the whole time right you know and then when when kind of like backed into a corner and questioned about bestiality and his thoughts on bestiality he kind of like he was completely annoyed basically saying like oh like i don't see the problem or like something like that where where he's like basically doesn't view bestiality as a crime as like something as as you know um crazy as it is and um he is seemingly annoyed by those who criticize others for fantasizing about having sex with animals. Um, bestiality is illegal in almost every state of America except for Hawaii, New Mexico, West Virginia, Mama. Uh, Wyoming, and Wyoming, which is where Kanye went to. So that's Kanye out there. Uh, if you're listening, <laughs> we have questions. Yeah. Why are you in Wyoming? <laughs> hey. <laughs> But one one another thing really quick is that not only is he into pup play, but he's actually used significant like significant others as a table at while he eats his dinner and watches Star Trek. So he's made that a point to be very specific that he's used a significant other as a table. So he's objectified another person. Okay, obviously it's consensual, whatever. But like he, like I, I just can't understand how. Like I can't understand it. Right. How someone gets pleasure out of like dehumanizing another person? Because I think that it has to do with like some form of mental illness. There is I think something that, wrong with it. I think that people say like, "Oh, like you're you're kink shaming," but it there are limitations to it, right? So if somebody was telling Ted Bundy, like, hey, maybe maybe it's not a good idea to, to like cross that line or whatever, you know, because it could lead into something else. And long and behold, it led to something else. So I think that that's how it always starts is you give people an inch and they take a mile, you know, and, and it's just that like progressive process of just, let's see how far I can push the limits, not only of my own limits, but the limits of my partner, the limits of the person I'm experimenting this on with. And I am annoyed, not at the fact that Sam Britton has been appointed to this position and has been rewarded this government official position as as a leader in the department of energy i'm not annoyed by that i am more annoyed by the fact that the biden administration has gone out of its way to appoint him as like for that position it's like they're making it a point to like do these moves where it's just weird it's like it's like the the far left 
has just completely lost its mind, I think. It's like, what's going on? Like, do you really, like, stop involving sexual politics into, like, life-altering segments of politics where the whole population is concerned. It's not the time to stage how how um, open-minded you are so so that you could po- like potentially get more votes in the next election that's coming up. It's like, stop doing that bullshit, dude. To disrupt even further, you know, the two different opposing parties or two different opposing perspectives that already exist. So it's yeah. like upset the people that's with the- traditional values that will obviously be triggered and upset by this. And then also, you know, support and whatever the people who will be you know, uh, ecstatic that this is the case and that more, uh, you know, trans or non-binary or gender fluid or like openly sexual people are like getting these higher positions. It's to deliberately polarize from a political standpoint. I think it's a great strategy because you're polarizing the population leading up to elections, right? Um, And that is great because then the the people who were doubtful of who to vote for are now very defined on like what they're going to be voting for essentially. So if they were on the fence about Biden, you know, uh, like I don't really like the fact that he's, you know, mumbling his words and he can't sit on the bike mm-hmm. and he falls all the time and he fumbles the bag. But I do like certain policy, but now this is people there's nobody on the fence. That's just it. Like you have this weird administration that's in office now that's trying to prove a point at the cost of us, the taxpayer. I think that in general, like everyone just needs to open their eyes. Like it doesn't matter who it is in office or whatever. It's like open your eyes to like all of these agendas that are being pushed out regardless of who it is, because there's obviously different agendas for different presidents and what they're pushing out. Right. Trump was doing his whole thing, too, with the. You know, the racist remarks in the beginning, grabbing by the pussy, whatever, you know, iconic words. Another great polarizing strategy. Right, exactly. And so what I wanted I wanted to bring up one last thing is that Sam Britton, he like he believes in like um, embracing your identity and being able to be very open with your identity. So he'll even go into office with stilettos on. Yeah. I don't know if you know what stilettos are, but they're high, high heels. Fully in drag. Right. One last thing is that he also refers to Fauci as Daddy Fauci. Right. So. Don't we all, though? Yeah. I thought that that was just common knowledge. I thought that that's what. I, I just find it laughable. We have a shrine in our room of Daddy Fauci, where it's just a picture of a huge poster of Anthony Fauci shirtless. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Abs ripped. Mm hmm. And we pray to that shrine, I think, um, three to four times a day. Yeah, yeah. Depending. Sounds you know. accurate. Yeah. Um, anyway, so speaking of weird members of the Biden administration, our next um, candidate here, our our next topic of discussion. This this one is interesting, right? Because it's it's two it's two sides of the coin. So you said that why don't people or public officials Uh, Keep their private life private and then just try to separate things so that it doesn't get intertwined with their business and their profession. With politics. Politics. Yeah. So this is kind of the opposite of Sam Britton's case. This case is of a um, a government official who is responsible for speaking on behalf of the monkeypox development in the United States. So he is the official monkeypox advisor. advisor. And his name is Dmitry 
Daskalakis. I don't I don't know if that if I, if I'm pronouncing that right, but he just happens to be <coughs> the Joe Biden administration's official monkeypox deputy response coordinator, mm-hmm. and he also just happens to be overtly satanic. Um, and so it's just this weird thing, right? Because Sam Britton, he he like he was speaking, uh, making speeches and just press releases and all that stuff fully in drag this guy tried kind of keeping it aside but then the public and the media got a hold of his instagram account ran through it there are thousands of pictures of this guy just shirtless and he has a pentagram tattoo on his right chest which is sus right um he is often depicted and has taken pictures wearing um harness you know like sexual uh toy harnesses i don't i don't i don't know what the uh, the name is called like bondage harnesses that are shaped in a pentagram in as well. a pentagram shape mm-hmm. yeah which is strange he is openly gay and a devout satanist who has the official baphomet pentagram tattooed on his chest both dimitri and the cdc have denied his association to the church of satan which adds the to the popularity of it all right so again it's like this like major institution kind of like denying everything it's like explaining like no like i'm like that's wrong conspiracy theories are wrong uh dimitri downplayed monkeypox during a press briefing saying that it's just an infection um all while the world health organization who deemed it to be a public health emergency of international concern so Mm. it's just weird right like they're they're now distorting the narrative of the monkeypox downplaying it why the satanist guy is you know that has been hand selected by the biden administration is downplaying monkeypox strange the satanic pentagram is proudly displayed in his promotional photos for the cdc appointment which is also strange so in the like he uh he made the cover magazine right after being appointed by the cdc and his pose is just him with his shirt unbuttoned and again the harness the bondage sexual harness depicting a pentagram right on his chest Mm -hmm. and he's just you know posing strange and that's something that i wanted to say too is that they can hire anybody right because any i don't like that 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 there are people defending and saying that oh well these people are highly qualified and they have the skill set which they could be right but that's what i mean when i say open your eyes because it doesn't just stop there there's obviously an ulterior motive to hiring not just someone with the skill set but someone who you know fits this agenda that they're trying to push and so that's what i wanted to say before is like these two examples sam Britton and dimitri Anybody can have their skill sets and be qualified for these jobs. There are plenty of people that are. But it's the fact that the Biden administration went out of their Chose way to these... pick, hand select these specific right. people. Right. That makes it questionable. It's so strange to me. Like, I have no problems. Again, do whatever you want in your right. private life, as long as you're not hurting anybody. But the moment you choose these people to also kind of kind of promote and push this ideology, it's strange. And there's like a pattern is what I is what I wanted to say. There seems to be a pattern. pattern going on. People are saying that we're all just mad that that this Dimitri guy is hot and like gets to post shirtless pictures and gets to be an advisor for the government. Like, uh, that's not what people are mad about. No, it's really not. We are, we are just look. 
I would have appreciated it perf- uh, personally because I think that the first ad- uh, the first amendment, if I'm not mistaken, again, um, I might look like an idiot for this, but the first amendment, I think it basically defends your right to uh, worship any religion or to be a part of any religion. There is definitely that right in the constitution and I'm all for it. Right. But the thing that's kind of bothering me is the fact that they're not open with it. Like yeah. why not just admit that? Yes, I am a Satanist. I am a devout follower of Satan, Baphomet. I have a pentagram tattooed on my, te- on, on my chest and I actively worship the devil. I would have respected that a little bit more, even though that would have been super alarming nonetheless, but it's more like, Oh, okay. So there's some transparency here, even though the agenda is blatantly evil and and just super sus and weird at least they're being transparent about it they're not even trying to hide it anymore but okay um so aside from obviously worshiping the devil uh satanism also reveres the accomplishments of humanity and encourages believers to embrace physical wants and desires which is essentially what dimitri advocates for through his social media so he's all about uh being un, um unorthodox non non-traditional in your sexual um ambitions you know and that's essentially what him and sam are pushing mm-hmm. it's just go against the grain you know fuck conventionalism fuck conventional love between men and women yeah they're trying to distort that which is just strange man i think that that's what's like really throwing me off it's like it's the it's the fact that they're pushing it out just like i said before if that's your kink or your fetish it's like why does it need to be pushed out so much so that it's like flooding it like it basically is your entire personality or it floods your instagram feed or whatever it is it's like especially when you're someone in the public eye Mm -hmm. is my point it's like i don't know it's just so it's it's like take into consideration like for example the whole like kink thing with the wax and the whatever play it's like does that take into consideration like people who have been like sexually abused and then some people at that lecture might have been someone who was like sexually abused right and then because there's a like a psychological thing where people who have been sexually abused will turn to partners who have those same traits Mm -hmm, in order to try to make it feel normal to them that that's happened and so they'll go for these dominant partners like dominatrix partners who basically just you know who basically just dominate them during sex and try to make it normal for them or i don't know how to explain but yeah right just weird it's just weird that it's like these things are not taken into account it's like not taken into consideration it's not it is strange and in my opinion like this is what i see i see there are ways for you to kind of divide your personal life and keep it separate from your professional life but there is a problem when just like you said when your personal traits or some of your personal traits become your identity completely and so these people aren't just drag uh, queens and, and they don't just enjoy having sex with men and they just don't just enjoy pup play and bestiality and Satanism. But that's a bulk of their identity and who they are and who they want the world to perceive them as. And so when you get to that point where your identity is completely um, a reflection of this one particular personality trait, you can't complain when the public points it out and then wants wants an explanation as to why or what's going on, you know, and like how will that influence the professional aspect of your career? So 
especially when you're in government office. And so I think it's very important for us uh, both talking here right now and for people listening to this as well, like take a moment and just question and just think for yourself for once, you know, it's like we live in this society where it's so easy for you to just be like, be, be satisfied with the, um, with the ideologies that are fed to you instead of you developing your own. And so that's one of our objectives with this podcast is that we are one, uh, regurgitating information. Yes. But we are also giving glimpses into what our perspective on things are without forcing an ideology onto you guys who are listening and watching. So we want you guys to kind of form your own opinion. So if you disagree with everything we said, feel free to comment below. Let's open a conversation in an open discussion about it. You know, call us out on things that we fuck up and call us out on things that we do correctly. You know, it's that open dialogue is necessary, especially in times like this where left and right, you're just being sold on something. Either you're being sold on social media, you're being sold products, services, you're being sold political leanings, political outlooks, just being sold all the time. So stop buying stuff and just curate that and just construct that for yourself. And then just, you know, because then that way, when you're being sold something, you're already satiated, like you're already good. Your, your stomach, your ideological stomach is full. You just ate because you sustain yourself, you know? And that's something that I wanted to point out too, is I always get like, I always start stumbling my words when it comes to these topics because I don't want to be offensive either. Right. Like obviously everyone has their own opinions on things and what I do and what I choose to do may be very and maybe entirely different from what someone else chooses to do. And that's perfectly fine. Right. Again, like these are just my opinions and it might seem outlandish. It might seem, uh, you know, like incorrect or wrong or, you know, unaccepting. But what I wanted to say is that like, I feel like the minute that I feel like I need to bite my tongue in order not to to offend someone makes me question exactly, I guess, what you're doing on the show, because then because then what's the point of right. just complying? If I can't fear if, of if I can't just like transparently be myself without the fear of people flooding the comments attacking and saying oh you're you're ignorant and you're this and this and that right just right. being i don't have that anymore because i feel i feel uh, i feel like i lost that a long time ago where now just like i'm saying i always back everything i say with justifications and reasons why so i feel like as long as you do that for yourself and you're always able to justify why obviously you can't just say like oh i hate this certain group of people and then and no, then and, then, and, and then i just don't pause hate, right there right. and just end that statement like you have to justify and obviously neither of us do but that's just an example a hyperbolized example but my point being is that you should always just be able to kind of back it up. And my other point that I wanted to quickly make is that every statement that we make on this episode, episode 31, by the time we reach episode 301, we could be completely different people. Yeah. We, we could have completely different outlooks on life and people change, you know, people mature, people um, develop new outlooks and new understandings of life through experience, through life experiences. And so I'm not married to any of my ideas, to any of my understandings of the world. And that's what I want to point out. I don't like things being pushed on me, right? So if you're a government official, you have to take into consideration the fact that you're a fucking government official. You are addressing the country. You're not addressing this little group of people 
that look like you and talk like you and do stuff that you do. You're addressing the fucking country. It's like so such a wide what range. What do you expect? Is right. is what pisses me off. And the and the administration is is up to something. They are up to something. And it's just like with Trump, like obviously he had his own agenda too. At the beginning, he had the whole thing about building the wall and whatever else. So it's 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 not this this is applicable to all all these authoritarian figures mm-hmm. is my point. And so that's why I'm saying that's why we push out this thing of like open your eyes because it's not we're not just applying it to one specific scenario. It's it's applicable to across the board, across centuries of time, across everything, you know. And I was going to say to what you said that our experiences are subjective, obviously. And so whatever opinions we have are just that opinions and should just be taken as such. And again, it's like leaving an opening for uh, open dialogue with each other. And maybe you can change my mind about how people should carry themselves and how they should feel free to carry themselves however way, whatever, to just open my mind Mm -hmm. to it. And maybe, you know, I'm not someone who's closed-minded at all. Like, I'm I'm 100% willing to correct my, you know... um, downfalls or whatever outlooks right my outlooks tweak them learn different things absorb different whatever Mm. um does that mean that i'm going to uh, like change my lifestyle or change it to be like for the most part i'll just stay myself because that that's really what my opinions are it's just how i would do it myself right and that's all it really is. It has nothing to do with what I want to see done in the world because, that, again, it's like an idealistic view and no one can ever have an idealistic world where it's how you want things or whatever. I don't even know how I want things. So right. my does. point, it's just it's just me, how, how I would do it, what I would do, what I do now. It's like <laughs> I have a profession. It's doing this podcast. It's not a government official, whatever. But even then, I'm very meticulous and careful about what I post online and what I share with the world. I'm not very vocal about my sex life and what I do and all that. I don't flaunt my body. I don't, you know, Yeah. I mean, I wear tops like I do, but I don't like take provocative right. pictures. It's my choice, whatever. And so, again, it's just me. And that's what I hope like people are able to understand before you leave comments about me being this and this and whatever else you have to say. It's it's just me that I'm referring to how I would do things. And one thing that I just found interesting um, that I just wanted to like quickly point out to before we move on from this topic and get into our last topic. Um, One thing that I find interesting is that historically monarchs kings and queens they would seek out philosophers for guidance in ruling which that statement in of itself should 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 grant you a few hours of just contemplation of just like introspection and thinking like damn because i've thought a lot about that where it's so crazy to me how how a a dictator a king a sovereign king seeks out the one person in society that's responsible for questioning everything and keeping the most open mind about everything. And so my point is that people are like, oh, like you're looking too like like too deep into it. Uh there's like not that much to it. Or, or like you guys are 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 far fetched. Like this reaching. is far fetched reaching. 
But the thing is, the people in power, man, like they're the ones that think everything through. So every decision, every move is well thought out. And you have to understand that. So Joe Biden does this. Joe Biden does that. That's his team, his administration. Like all these minds come together, sit at conference rooms, come up, plot narratives, agendas, uh, plot five years in advance, 10 years in advance. And meanwhile, the population, which is what worries me a lot, like whenever we get those comments, like those to me, I feel pity for the people who write that. Because it's like, damn, dude, really? Like this is far-fetched for you? Like this is a reach? Really? Like to me, it's like second nature. And I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody, but it's like, I do think that I'm more open-minded than a lot of people. And that's necessary to have. It's like, when it comes to anything, politics, religion, you can't just feed me something and and i'll just happily with a smile on my face consume it and sit back and just grin and like as everything digests i'm gonna question inspect every every ounce every every piece of the food before i even commit to to opening my mouth you know that's what she said <laughs> um so my point being is like you guys have to really question that shit because philosophers like they kind of serve as an example of how society is architected and how it functions. You know, it's the open-minded people that are the ones that, that move society, you know, Plato, Aristotle, like they were the ones that moved generate, like their teachings to this day are prevalent in society. And meanwhile, Kings just get passed down crowns and they make their mistakes and they make their, their positive change in society, but they're forgotten ultimately, you know? So it's just like a fun fact right there. It's just fun to kind of like contemplate that. And you know what's a good example of that really quick? And this is like a mainstream example or a modern example mm. is is the Yay album. What you said about how there's a team behind Joe Biden. There was a team behind that album. And that's just a modern example. There was over 23 writers and this album was one of the most prevalent in, in Kanye's discography because it was an album where he's speaking on his bipolar disorder. And so a lot of people looked at that album with the first track being I Thought About Killing Myself or I Thought About Killing, killing you. you, right? And then it, like all people could think about was how he is crazy. He is crazy. He's unstable. He needs to go on medication. And this is all part of a ploy and a marketing scheme of his team, just like everything in life is. It's like there is a grander narrative, um, narrative and, and inner workings to everything that, that's going on around us, everything. Yeah. And then that's just our point to what we're yeah. talking about today. It's like the Denver airport. There's reasons for those symbols. There's reasons why certain people are picked in administrative offices, you know, regardless of Joe Biden administration, Trump, whatever. There's reasons why, you know, things are occurring around us the way that they are and are unraveling around us the way that they are. 100%. Yeah. And then just to uh, close out the whole Dimitri thing, I'm just going to read off a few bullet points that I wrote down. Um, again, since this episode was heavily dense and this is the longest one we've done in a while, but that's fine because we are compensating for last week, not posting and we haven't posted in two weeks. So I just wrote things down and I'm sorry if it sounds or looks like I'm reading cause I am reading just cause I have short term memory loss. Um, Dimitri has various sus photos on his now private Instagram account. So as soon as everything broke out and, and media outlets were picking at his profiles and his social media accounts, he went private on Instagram 
One of the pictures is a pentagram with a burning cross inside of it. So there's a literal burning Jesus Christ cross at the apex of an upside down pentagram that he posted on his Instagram in 2012. So again, he's, he's not a Satanist because he said, and, and the CDC confirmed it. He's not a Satanist at all. And surrounding this upside down pentagram with a burning cross at, at its apex, there are multiple burning candles around it. So it kind of resembles like a ritual of some sorts that was happening, maybe a satanic a ritual. Sacrifice. A sacrifice, something of that nature, 2012. Um, okay, here's something that I found. Um, which I didn't show you before we did this podcast, but I found it super interesting. I don't know if you know this, but um, Dimitri is one of the co-founders of a cycling studio in New York City called Monster Cycle. And it's decorated with occult symbolism. Like um, the, um, brand's, the brand's logo, for example, the T in Monster Cycle resembles a Leviathan cross, which is the cross of Satan. It has like three bars across it the wow. the leviathan cross obviously is um two bars across it and then there's the infinity sign but this one kind of like resembles it and it just has just has like a cross-esque thing and one of their um most recent stores opened up inside of an old church hmm. which is just making a mockery of of god you know right. essentially and their whole premise is that they they are heavily goth and just heavily um, you know, like there's um in upside down pentagram in the yoga studio, their cycling studios is just darked out with like these like satanic and just occult music videos playing on screens, and they're all about embracing just dark energy and just occultism. And the name is literally monster, monster so cycle. it's like yeah. demonic, you know. It's and their merch is just um upside down pentagrams again with uh monsters horned monsters with three eyes you know it's it's just all the third like, eye but again he's not satanic guys he's he's not satanic and i and i know you have to be okay. <laughs> take a quick sorry i'm noticed. gonna i'm literally gonna pee myself all right and then and then we just have like one last topic all right um i'm gonna keep rolling actually so i'm just gonna talk to you guys one-on-one -on -one real quick she just had to run to pee she has a very small bladder and usually we don't go this long we are at one hour and some change almost at two hours right now um one thing that i just wanted to quickly ask you guys and i'm sorry if if me alone bores you but um i i brief i i, I recently posted on our instagram stories on the metzligon studios account that last week or the past two weeks we haven't really posted an episode uh due to some mental health issues and that was mainly on my behalf I have been going through some like pretty, pretty dark phases of my life when it comes to just mental health, spiritual health and well-being. And it's been an ongoing struggle. So even though when I perform on this podcast, uh, you know, like some part of it, some aspect of it is obviously a little bit more. How do I say this? Like uh, a little bit more emphasized, you know, it's more performative, but there's still like 80 percent is authentic, obviously. But my point being is that, you know, aside from what I display myself to the public, there's a lot more uh, when it comes to the depth of, of just character and just what like both of us go through. And she's back right now, what both of us go through. And so what my like the point I'm trying to get to is but before we get to our last topic is that if if this is something that you guys would be interested in, I would love to know if you guys would be interested in us doing maybe a second iteration of the podcast eventually where it's just 
100% more serious. And there's no real conspiracy. It's just uh, centered around the humanistic or the human side of both of us as people. So it could be us discussing um, what you kind of like brushed on, right? Your um, experience and and your, your um, personal traumas and stuff. And then um, I can discuss like my side of things when it comes to dealing with depression, suicidal tendencies, inclinations, um, you know, just 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 these personal sides of us as creators, because there's this performative side, which is more happy and like try to be like more lighthearted and just try to be fun. But then there's the darker side of it, which I also think is necessary because it's the yin and yang. Um, if we do end up doing this, I think that we will end up putting it on Patreon. So there might be like a small like a paywall behind it. But I think that that would make more sense for us because we are full-time creators. Uh, we 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 really haven't been profiting at all from from this endeavor, despite everything you guys see, like 100K on Instagram. Holy shit. Almost yeah. a million on TikTok. Wow. Almost 10K on YouTube. Wow. These people are millionaires. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but really, we're just like really trying to make it like just just get by as creators, as full-time creators. So we might put like a small fee of like maybe like five bucks. And that's just um, your way uh, uh, of supporting us. If you're interested in getting to know us better on a deeper level, I think that that would be the move. And we might do that very soon. But anyways. And you can do that too on our anchor. Right. Like and just a support. There's even an option for like 99 cents a month. Yeah. Spare change. Spare change. Sir. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but it, it, it's like cool. You know, like yeah. it, like it really does it goes a long way like even 99 cents like it doesn't i'm not saying monetary wise but just knowing that there's like people who support and who want us to like keep pushing out even more and better things and yeah. like like helping support us and uh, our podcast and our our endeavor and whatnot and it's not just supporting but you guys would be like are obviously just by listening to this like like you guys are already paying us and like motivating me at least when i see like numbers you know like oh like this many people listen to the episode this many people watch it it blows my mind and it inspires me but by monetarily supporting you guys are also contributing to the uh construction of the foundation of this vision which you're being a part of you know yeah I agree. And so, um, and I don't like to like ask for anybody to like pay us or like do anything like that. So it's if you would like to pay up. Yeah. So if you would like to, you have that option with an anchor. You can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, how, however much you want per month. If you find value in the conspiracies that we push out, if you find value in the reels that we create, if you find value in the YouTube videos, anything, TikToks, you can always support through that avenue. And we also want to give value in exchange for value soon when we'll be launching our merch line where we'll also be putting an effort and designing everything ourselves so that there's at least like that, that um, exchange of goods, you know, because I kind of feel a little bit weird asking for money from people. So that's why we like we don't push it that much. But anyways, um, so to cover our last topic, which is a pretty interesting one. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, you can start. <laughs> All right, so our last topic is on the occult Washington, D.C. symbolism. I don't know how many of you guys have noticed or searched, but Washington, D.C. is a super, super strange place. And mind you, it was architected and designed by the orders of George Washington himself, who was a 33rd degree Freemason. 
he hired a city designer slash architect who was also a fellow Freemason to design the city in exactly like the exact way that he envisioned in his mind, which was in accordance with the Masonic values that George Washington held true to himself because he was the high, like he was a grandmaster, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty crazy. For starters, let's address the most popular government building that exists, the Pentagon. The Pentagon is just a weird shape in of itself, right? Like, why is it a Pentagon? And people say that it's an infinite occult symbol because it's the center of a pentagram and the pentagram shape is able to fit into it perfectly because mm. it has five sides. Mm -hmm. So it's just weird, right? Like you have this government building, but it doesn't stop there. Next, we have the Egyptian obelisks, which are symbols often related to the Egyptian sun god, Ra. It is believed that the shape symbolizes a single sun ray, which translates to illumination and enlightenment aka the illuminati right um what's crazy is the fact that the washington obelisks measured exactly 55.5 feet in width which equals to 666 inches on each side the washington obelisks are also 555.5 feet tall which equals 6666 inches mm -hmm. specific details and obviously 666 is the mark of the beast mark of the beast right and then in the bible you have that saying that um the number that 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 will identify the antichrist is 666 he mm -hmm. will come you know um do you want me to keep it going yeah you can go okay George Washington was a high-level Freemason, as were eight of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. Satellite view of the Capitol building shows the outlines of an owl, which is representative of the same Bohemian Grove owl god that Alex Jones, our friend, our close friend, shout out Alex Jones, he infiltrated the Bohemian Grove ceremony and politician, world leaders, businessmen, they all gather and congregate in the secret service, the secret mass, the secret event where they um, basically reenact a sacrifice, a child sacrifice to Moloch, this owl god that they burn and, and just put on fire. And it's super weird how from a satellite view, you see the outlines of an owl and this freaks me out like this. Like, I never knew this. I never saw this. That's so weird. The Capitol building, there's literally an, an outline of an owl in its, like, courtyards. And it's, like, basically like this, it, the landscape of it. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. You, do you want me to keep going? No. And, and another thing is that the, sh so one symbol is that the streets around the area of the, of Washington, D.C. and of the White House supposedly create a templar cross and the templar cross it consists of four even triangular sides that meet at a center point the symbol is used by freemasons this templar cross and then it says that um that this just is more proof that the city was designed in order to advance to advance the cause of the Freemasons. So right. this Templar cross, so the area surrounding Washington DC and the, the White House creates this Templar cross. Right, which which is actually my next point on on like on my list and it kind of explains like why it, it like why it becomes a Templar cross. So the White House the White House the White House the White House 
the White House sits at the apex of an inverted pentagram. When you're looking at, and everybody listening and watching this can go on Google Maps right now and put the White House, and you just have to zoom in, like zoom out a little bit, and you'll immediately, like your eyes will make that image very clear to you, where the infrastructure of the, uh, like of the city, essentially, of the streets form an upside down pentagram. And so my bullet point is that the White House sits at the apex of an inverted pentagram. It also sits at the apex of a hexagram. And when you superimpose the upside down pentagram over the hexagram, you get a perfectly symmetrical Knights Templar cross, which is wild. That's so crazy. Um, The Washington obelisk sits south from the White House and directly south from the Masonic Temple, which is 13 blocks north of the White House. 13, which is another um, significant number to the Freemasons and um, to and to occultists. Right. 13 is very symbolic. Yeah. That's interesting that you said about the Masonic Temple. Because mm-hmm. I found this that says Freemason headquarters have been existed, have been reported to exist all over the U.S., confirming that this may actually be a Masonic temple close to the White House. So Mm -hmm. it's like more legitimacy to it. And then it says like you can even embark on a tour of the structure close to the White House. Like you can tour it. That's crazy. But yeah, that's really crazy. And another interesting thing also still from like an um, eagle like like a bird eyes view. So so if you go on like Google Maps and just check out a satellite view, the iconic Masonic compass symbol stretches from the White House to the Capitol. So it makes in like a perfect drawing of 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 a compass. That's so crazy. From from these two pivotal landmarks and structures that kind of govern our society and our democracy. It's so weird. And all of this from a bird's eye view because then it's blind to the naked eye of like you know normal perception of it right right and it's weird too how they focus on the bird's eye view almost as if they're trying to communicate with like an outside species alien race of course with the obelisk right right of course and speaking of bird's eye view and being blind to the public did you know that nocturnal birds are usually symbols of sorcery and metaphysics because black magic cannot function in the light of truth, a.k.a. the light of day, and is powerful only when surrounded by ignorance, which is night? The owl is considered wise because the creature is able to see through the darkness of ignorance and materiality, which is interesting because that's the same owl that Drake uses. And people say that when when um, celebrities and politicians do this, it's not actually like Satan, but the horns of an owl Mm. or or the horns of Moloch or something like that. And that's them basically demonstrating their devotion to that cause. And a lot of people believe that even Drake is in in attendant at at the Bohemian Grove. And that's how he kind of like became this um, this like main main uh symbol or or main artist like he's the Mm -hmm. artist of the year you know like whatever that means obviously he comes out with hits and then people can you know and he does the whole 666 thing too yeah 666 god you know like it's so strange um all right hold on guys let me see and i just and we're literally at the end um above the dome of the capitol building stands lady libertas 
which many have interpreted as being the goddess Isis, Isis. right? The Egyptian goddess Isis guarding the entrance of the Capitol building is Nimrod, a.k.a. Baal, B-A-A-L, which is created in the likeness of the Roman god Mars, whom the Egyptians called Osiris. A lot of Egyptian symbolic like symbolism going on. Super strange. Here's where it gets even crazier. There's a statue of George Washington in the Smithsonian Museum of American History that was modeled after descriptions of Zeus and Baphomet. Mm. So it's literally Washington doing this, wait, this, and this, as above, so below. Wow. Exactly like Baphomet. Exactly. And then they want to like this guy, they'll tell you that it's inspired by Zeus, but the most iconic one that we know today, unfortunately, is the Baphomet one. And then speaking of George Washington, there inside of the Capitol building, there's there's like a I guess like a mural right in the rotunda of the Capitol. I'm going to just read it off Um, in the rotunda of the Capitol building contains a painted fresco called the Apotheosis of Washington, painted in 1865 by Constantino Bermudi. This artist previously worked at the Vatican. Right. Mm -hmm. And some theorists believe it shows George Washington draped in regal uh, purple robes becoming a god. Wow. And this and the theory is true. um, Apotheosis actually means ascending to a godlike status. Right. So it's named Apotheosis of of Washington. And that's what it translates to ascending to a godlike status. And the allegorical piece also features 13 maidens. 13. There's that number. Which represent the 13 original colonies, Mm -hmm. right? Again. And the group is flanked by Roman gods and goddesses, including Neptune, Mercury, and Minerva. So again, Roman, Greek, like all of these different gods. Right. That kind of reminds me of one of the main talking points for the infamous occultist, um, Aleister Crowley. Uh, He would promote this saying a lot which is do without will and even jay-z has been seen wearing t-shirts kind of like paying homage to them uh and that's essentially the the main goal i think among freemasons and among the um occultists essentially is is god isn't coming god isn't real there is no god the the, the only god there exists is the one within each other like like within each and every one of us is mm-hmm. what i'm trying to say and so you become your own God. And that, and even Kanye has been a part of that system. I don't know if he's still a part of it, if there's any way of not being a part of it anymore. But he put out songs like, I am a God. He said in interviews, like, I told you exactly what I think I am. A, a God. God. A God. A God. Right. So man becomes God. And there's like multiple interpretations on that. I just have uh, literally two more bullet points on this real quick. Um, actually one more. So my, my last point on, on the Washington DC occultism is that I just find it interesting how the eye on the dollar bill represents Lucifer, the prince of darkness who transforms himself into an angel of light, the all seeing eye, which is a great kind of like interpretation of it. Because if you look at the dollar bill, there's the obvious Egyptian pyramid. And then at the top of it, there's the all seeing eye. And the all-seeing eye is kind of being emphasized by rays of light. Right. And we even have this thing right here. We do have the all-seeing eye. So we have the all-seeing eye because we're a conspiracy podcast or we are in allegiance. 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 Lie. We are liars. Hmm. Um, So we have the all-seeing eye because we found this kind of fitting to the brand, right? Because 
and we use this as like holsters for cups coasters coasters um yeah so that's just interesting how lucifer deceives the the public by by um basically transforming himself temporarily into this facade of an angel of light and the bearer of light is how he's portrayed and i want to say one last thing oh and then just back to the whole owl thing and how strange it is that the elite worship owls in the back of the dollar bill on the top right corner i believe if you look with a magnifying glass you can see a little owl being just placed there like very like very meticulously meticulously yeah and very discreetly is the right word for it um and so the occult they are secret societies but they always like to give you clues and they get joy and gratification from like playing with the public's perception of reality and they enjoy that a lot and so they like there's no fun in being powerful and secretive and then nobody knowing about you like they like to give you little hints so you just have to question everything man look at everything and that's all i have for you guys today and one thing i wanted to say about the all-seeing eye on the dollar bill right is that it's meant to represent like an omnipresent and it says in god we trust right so it's meant to represent the omnipresence of god always watching over us but i find this symbolic of how the government is always watching over us right, because the government is god and so george washington is a god they're always watching yeah they track everything you do on your phone everything you consume everything you're up to yeah. They're always watching. They are the all-seeing eye. They are omnipresent. They are tapped into this podcast right now. And and to your point, <laughs> do you know what that kind of reminds me of? What? The the government reminds me of um Chris's dad and everybody hates Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh that one episode when Chris gets harassed by the bully or whatever, uh his dad says like, "And when you're sleeping, I'll be there." Yeah. And when you're in the shower, I'll be there, you know, like, so, so the government's just always there, just always watching. <laughs> and with that being said, we are also always watching you. If you're listening to this right now and we're talking into your ear. I have a third eye. Hold I have on. a third eye. I have a, no, it's the left eye. So if you're just listening to this, we're doing something on camera. If you want to check it out. Um, so we're just always watching, always watching. And we were put here as controlled opposition by the system and we are here to just manipulate everybody and distort your perception and give Psych. you a little bit, a, an ounce of hope into understanding and curing yourself of ignorance towards the world. But in reality, we are just perpetuating more and more ignorance. Psych. Psych. I'm just Please kidding, say guys. psych. <laughs> just kidding, guys. All right. So with that being said, this is the longest episode we've done so far. How towards long? the end. Uh, it says here uh, two hours and change. So wow. it's a two hour episode. Um, I think, uh, if you don't include the intro part, but yeah, so longest we've done in a while, I think maybe longest ever. And we're both kind of like burnt out right now. Had a long day preparing for the episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, the best thing you could do for us is just leave a like subscribe, um, comment, just comment below, share thoughts. Let's open discussions and you guys know the whole deal, you know, like whatever you could do to push us, to push the show out to more people, get more people engaged with the content and just create, hopefully create a community. And yeah, with that being said, don't forget. Else? Oh, no, that's else? all. Yeah. So wow. with that, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to sleep. <laughs>
It's 11 o'clock here for me. That's sleepy time. Yeah, I might do a gaming video after this. But I have a curfew. Yeah, so with that being said, don't forget that it's never wrong. To be mentally gone. Peace to the world. Peace out, guys.